Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast. Uh, this week it's Mike Lewis, as always. And today I'm joined with uh, Tom Smith, an economist from the Goizueta School of Business at Emory University. How are you, Tom? Doing well, Mike. Nice to, nice to see you. Nice to hear from you. Nice to be back on your show. Thank you very Tom, much. Tom, this is an early, I think we've done this one year, and you were part of it last year, a look at the top 10 most influential folks in the world of sports and the world of sports being defined loosely. A, a look at the folks that have... What I'm going to say, and, and the way I think this works is I'm going to throw out some semi-irresponsible hot takes in terms wow. of where I think the world's going, and you get to be the voice of reason and slow me down or agree, whatever you want to do. Um, just my take on what's going to be the most culturally impactful long-term, and you can pile on or say, Professor Lewis, you know, you want to check yourself. Okay. Uh, I. Uh, I could, I mean, I could do that. Okay. I mean, thank you. It's a good, it's a good job title. I'm, okay. the, I'm the, 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 the Mike Lewis check yourself guy. Okay. The, the you. director of being sensible for today. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that to my, to my signature line on, on my Emory email to director of sensibility. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So Tom, I, you know, we got to blow through some of this quickly because I think the conversation will expand. At number 10 on my list, I've got Michael Jordan. And yeah. I'm going to keep Michael, you know, retired athlete, um, owner of the, the Charlotte basketball team, I believe. But I'm mm -hmm. going to keep Michael Jordan on that list till I, I figure out a reason to take him out from this. And so my logic on Jordan is that this was the guy, and, and I'm not going to give Jordan credit for creating the modern sports marketing or, you know, sports business world, but Jordan was the guy that the modern business sports business world was built around you know That's he was true. the test case he was where the investments went in and I'll, I'll throw out one fun number that forbes estimates that the jordan brand is worth 10 billion dollars forbes also estimates that the chicago bulls are worth four billion dollars wow so yeah that sounds about right i i so people forget sort of that that prior to Michael Jordan the idea of having your sh your own shoe deal the idea of walking into a company and saying this is what this is what I'm going to do and then I'm going to have this forever so his shoe deal is his Air Jordan shoe deal is in perpetuity I and mean, that's his forever 
lots of athletes come in and they get their deal, and then when they are not being athletes, and eh, that deal kind of fades away. But this deal has, you know, I mean, is in perpetuity. So he negotiated that. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, I, I think once upon a time, I think it was Jerry Jerry Krause who said that, you know, the best deal that any basketball team ever signed was the deal that they signed with Jordan. They sent him to a long deal for actually a very, very small amount of money. And he didn't make that much money as a basketball player until after he had, had you know, retired at least once from basketball. But all of his money is coming from shoe deals, and marketing deals, his relationship with Gatorade. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Okay. And so Jordan, and, and if I'm going to, you know, bottom line, Jordan became a brand. And, you know, athletes had always been brand, but he was explicitly a brand. And I think he's the prototype for everyone that comes after him, LeBron and whoever else is on deck. 100%. Okay, okay Tom, number nine is where we potentially can go off Ooh. the rails here. Okay. So at number nine, I've got Brittany Griner. Okay. WNBA superstar. And the reason why I'm sort of reluctant to put her on this list, but the reason I've got her on this list is that th- this is about sports cultural impact. And so the negotiations for Brittany Griner, or I should say the reported negotiations for a prisoner swap have continue, have, have centered on a, a gentleman named Victor Bout and continue to center on a guy named Victor Bout. And so this is the U.S. potentially trading a Russian arms dealer for a basketball player. Mm. Yeah, like I said, I'm reluctant to offer a lot of commentary on this, but I think this says something. This is like one of these red flags or, you know, kind of a neon sign saying things are very different in country A versus country B. Yeah, right. So two-time gold medal Olympiad. She, um, yeah, top top star, top, top recruiting pick. And I think she was going to Russia to go play. Uh, basketball in the off season, right? And so, which is um, always a mystery to me this this idea that you know that the the economics of the women's basketball game meant that they go overseas to make big money and then come back and you know earn a couple hundred thousand WNBA for the for the elite talent. Yeah, and actually, we were, we were talking about this in my in my class yesterday about what the earnings differential is between WNBA players and NBA players. All that comes down to, oh, let's say it, marketing, broadcast rights, things like that. I mean, just there's no money in broadcasting the women's game. So I think it's, it highlights the importance that people put on athletes and athletes as ambassadors, athletes as spokespersons. And so I think it's I think it's important. I, you know, she she clearly made headlines, and um, you know, I think it's we're telling people where it is that we put our emphasis. Our emphasis is on sports stars. We'll tiptoe around that one. Okay, Tom, at number eight, I've got, <laughs> like I, I said, this was sports influencers, so they don't yes. necessarily have to be athletes. And this gentleman is clearly the least athletic-looking person <laughs> on this list. And that is Sam ba- bankman Fried or Freed. I'm not sure. I think it's free, I think it's free but I don't know. Yeah, I got to tiptoe around that. Okay. Um, okay. So, <laughs> and so why is he why is he on your list, Mike? I'm okay. curious. When I saw this, that was a head scratcher for me. Okay, so SBF is on the list because the collapse of SBF <sighs> resulted in a, a decent amount of turmoil turmoil in the world of sports. Um, we yes, had athletes um, we had athletes like Tom Brady suddenly getting called out. I think there's gonna be some lawsuits going after Tom Brady for bad financial advice based on what he said in commercials. 
And the big one is that FTX had the naming rights for the Miami basketball arena. Yeah. And so potentially, you know, the impact is these clubs and these athletes might want to be a little bit more careful in terms of who they accept sponsorships from. Wow, Mike! Every time I every time I, I think that you've gone completely wacky, I you bring it back around, man. You close that loop, right? And so you're so far you're so far ahead, it almost looks like you're behind. Okay, so here's the deal. I love this. I love this inclusion of this guy on this list. Not only does Tom Brady have money wrapped up in this, I I think a bunch of basketball players, maybe Steph Curry, maybe yeah. some. I mean, I think a bunch Simone, of basketball players. I think Simone Biles. It, it, he had a ton of. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. And maybe some coaches, maybe some. And so there's a lot of athletes who are wrapped up in this, and the the like you said these athletes are spokespersons and saying, oh, go buy this, go to this this exchange, go buy this crypto, go buy, go buy, go buy this stuff, and so it's. Um, and on its face, it looks pretty. It looks pretty amazing. I've been reading a lot about this. The CEO, CFO, this uh, this this woman who's sort of now uh, become very elusive, perhaps. She's the daughter the, of the yeah, go the, ahead. The one that was the head of the trading arm, Almeida, I believe. That's right. Yeah, That's sure. right. And she, I mean, yeah. she's the daughter of the of the chair of the economics department at MIT. We were just talking about MIT a couple minutes ago. Yeah. I mean, so on its face, it looks like super legit. Like you're saying, like, oh my gosh, like look at these relationships. Why wouldn't this be a great asset to buy? So you're right. Uh, just for reference, Enron used to have the naming rights for the Houston uh, baseball park, right? Enron Field before it became Minute Maid Field, right? And so they, I mean, it does have it does have implications. I mean, in terms of the baseball team getting those dollars, those dollars can translate into you know additional players or other types of you know other, other types of spending. So yeah, I think there's going to be losses. I think there's going to be uh, I think there's going to be a lot of fallout. Yeah, this guy definitely shook up shook up parts of the of the athletic world here. Okay, a small, small detour here. What's the name of the stadium where the Pittsburgh Steelers play? Is it Heinz? I don't know. Is it Heinz? It yeah, be. And, and, that's, and that's what I thought you would say. And so what, if, if we had not been talking about FTX and I had said, what's the name of the arena that the Miami Heat play at? Would you, would, what, would you have known or would you have said American Airlines? I wouldn't have known. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So is it not Heinz Field? Did they use it, it Heinz is, Field? Uh, and, no. and the reason why I bring this up is like, so my, it was the, you know, a lot of these deals were about 20 years long. And, and so you know, the, the Miami basketball arena was the American Airlines arena. Uh, it was Heinz Field for the, the Steelers. And they were all like two or two and a half million dollar deals. Uh, FTX and Pittsburgh Steelers now play at Acrisure Stadium. Oh. They've now moved to about $20 million a year. And so... I think the dilemma on this stuff is like a little bit of an aside is that these teams now, you know, it's almost like a form of sports washing, right? This idea that a way to really give yourself legitimacy is to put your name on an arena that people love. And the only people maybe willing to pay those kind of big dollars are going to be crypto companies and, you know, risk management companies. Maybe we've moved away from, you know, Heinz Ketchup and American Airlines. Yeah, I, was, I talked about this in my class earlier in the semester. I have an Excel spreadsheet. I, I'm sure you do as well. I can send it over to you. But yeah, a lot of these deals are 
uh, anywhere between 10 and 30 years. They can be, you know, um, you know, a couple, couple million to hundred million dollar deals, uh, over the course of, or over the course of their, their, you know, their, their tenure. So yeah, they can add a substantial amount of money for, for, for a team like immediately. Okay. Number seven on my list, and this is a little bit of a local story, but I believe it's had some national, it's, it's got a decent amount of national attention, but locally the Herschel Walker campaign mm. has been a spectacular thing to watch. And, and I'll make a couple of points. So Walker is, well, I'm going to say this. I think Walker is more famous currently than any NFL than any active NFL running back. I think there's more name recognition. So Herschel's been famous for 40 years now, and he might be the most famous running back alive at the moment. Mm -hmm. And the campaign in Georgia has been especially nasty, Uh, especially nasty. And, And so Herschel makes the list because, you know, sports figures have always been kind of these unifying folks, right? Everyone in Chicago, back when we were growing up, Tom and I are about the same vintage. I'm a little bit older. Everyone in Chicago loved Mike Get- Mike Ditka, and they loved Jim McMahon, and they loved Walter Payton. Yeah, for sure. Now, now I don't think there's any, you know, now if one of these guys, if, if Ditka had run for, um, you know, governor of Illinois, instant polarization. Exactly. So Herschel's on my list as to the, you know, the sports celebrity, no longer a unifying figure, maybe an ultra polarizing figure. Yes. Ultra polarizing figure for sure. And uh, so I, I had to remind my students about the, everything comes back to my students. It's always worth it. Then it's yeah. yeah Tom, think, you've mentioned your class sorry about that. four times. What, <laughs> what, 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 are, what are you teaching at the moment? <laughs> I'm teaching, I, I teach a class in sports finance and economics. Okay, okay. So just like you, you teach, you teach what your marketing, your marketing analytics uh, class, sports analytics and sports marketing class in the spring. Is that right? Yep. Yep. A little bit of selfless promotion here. And so the I had, <laughs> sorry. I, sorry, Tom, that is the smallest amount of self promotion possible. Just a little bit, that's right. <laughs> okay, Thank okay, you very much. Okay. okay. So the what I think was interesting about Herschel Walker is that uh, he was tra- he was traded from the Cowboys to the Vikings. And the and the draft picks that the Vikings received in exchange for that is what helped them assemble a bunch of Super Bowl teams, right? Like they, they ended up drafting Troy Aikman and a bunch of people as a result of that as a result of that deal. And Herschel Walker was never that great for Minnesota, or at least Minnesota was never that great after getting Herschel Walker. And eventually, I think Herschel Walker ended up playing again for the Dallas Cowboys, whatever it was, ten or twelve years later. But yeah, yeah. A, go ahead. No, it's, it's it's interesting. I don't remember some of those details. I, I think of Herschel almost more as, uh, you know, one of these efforts to build this second sports league, right? So I think Herschel's initial professional yeah. career was with the, USFL. the USFL's New Jersey Generals that may, and again, memories fade, may have been owned by Mr. Donald Trump. <laughs> Your memory isn't that bad at all, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's absolutely right. And that league lasted for what, two years? I don't, even, I don't even know if it lasted that long, but I think it was about two years. Sounds about right. I could be mistaken. We're coming yeah. up on year two of the new USFL, by the way, this year. Oh, okay. This is, we'll see what happens. Yeah, Herschel Walker is, when you get Dave Chappelle talking about, quote, quote, how observably stupid Herschel Walker is, 
it, you know, on on Saturday Night Live as part of part of his monologue. I mean, you know that you've reached the you've reached the the highlight of being a polarizing figure, right? Yeah. Okay. Now that's our that's uh, that's ten through five. Okay. Is sorry, 10 through 10 five? Through, sorry, that's ten through seven. So wow, like at, num- five, Michael. at number six, I've got Aaron Judge. Yeah. Okay. And I think Aaron Judge is um, look. I, I love the Aaron Judge story. I I I thought the home run chase was great, mm-hmm. but there was a wake up call for me in all that when. Well, when when Doug Battle, who's usually sort of co-hosting with me, was telling me that when they would do the split screen on college football games to show Aaron Judge's, you know, quest for you know home run sixty one and beyond, that folks would really light them up. That there was nothing but anger on Twitter because they were interrupting a college football game with a home run uh, chase. Hmm. And so I, I think this is fascinating in that, you know, he, he was able to bring the eyes, you know, back to Major League Baseball, you know, sort of the, the I think it's definitely the top story of the year in the regular season. But it also, you know, sort of, it also essentially reveals some of the weakness in the MLB brand that, you know, social media's reaction was, this is, a, this is annoying. You're interrupting my, you know, my, my Auburn, you know, football game with – a baseball thing that I don't care about. So, yeah. you know, it, and again, you know, I'm look, Tom, I think you're more of a baseball guy than I am in terms of fandom, but baseball fandom might be one of my favorite things to look at is as this league kind of struggles to stay relevant. Um, mm-hmm. but, but judges is important in an event that we've had, that they've had in a long time. Yeah. So, I was thinking about this and I was comparing it to the the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire chase in oh my gosh. I'm I'm gonna get all these dates, all these years wrong, I think. But I don't know if it's nineteen ninety eight. I don't know if it was two thousand three. So there's the two different I think it was is it nineteen ninety eight? I, I think it was the I think it was in the ninety late nineties. I think you're right on that. So so that was in the top of the news every day. Like who hit a home run, who's ahead, who's behind, who's one ahead, who's one behind. So Mark McGuire, I think he 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 hit uh against the Cubs actually, number whatever it was, number sixty-two, and then Sammy Sosa did, and then eventually Mark McGuire ended the season a little bit ahead. And but that was a that was a huge uh it was a huge event. And I mean it made everybody interested in baseball again after baseball's strike. So after the baseball strike and the cancellation of the World Series. Then there, people were not interested in baseball. That brought that is the same as Mark McGuire home run chase brought, arguably brought fans back. I don't think this had the same kind of impact. It was the biggest event of the year, and yet, as you mentioned, it was an it was an, an annoying side note for mm-hmm. most everybody. I mean, unless you're a Yankees fan or a pure baseball fan, mm-hmm. it was yeah okay. Which okay, tells you exactly where they're at, right? Well, let me ask you this. What was it, what what was the chase even about? Because I think this this sort of comes full circle. What was what was this for the legitimate home run record? Mm. Was this for the Yankees home run record? Mm. I, I mean, I don't think people even knew how to interpret it. Right? It's like, are we supposed to forget about Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds? Yeah, because Bonds holds the record, but yeah, but everybody sort of negates that and says that's not a real record, right? And neither is the McGuire Sosa thing. That's not even a real record either, because both of those guys were juicing. 
So these guys are now, so, you know, is this really a chase when we don't know, we don't even know what he's actually achieving. Right. And it's, it's interesting that baseball, the PED scandal may resonate essentially forever at this point. And and truly that's nothing I'd really thought a lot about. And that's a really, that's a really good observation. You're right. I don't think most people knew what, what he was actually chasing. And then that could have been the, that could have been part of the problem too. And I don't know if baseball MLB is itself set it up and made it clear to people exactly what he was chasing. Like that would have been better if they had, baseball had said, "Hey, here's what here's what we're chasing," or you know, "Here's how we're going to think about these records." I, I just read this morning that he either has been offered something in the neighborhood of about three hundred million dollars mm-hmm. for seven or eight years. He he might be the if he accepts this offer, and I haven't seen what the final number is, probably the highest paid position player in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's my understanding that he'll that the bidding warble between uh, the Yankees and him going back home to was this, I think the San Francisco area mm. was was the speculation. But I think that that's the numbers I've seen as well. It's hard to imagine. To me, it's hard to imagine the Yankees losing a bidding war for. You know, maybe the most high-profile guy in the league going forward, right? I mean, if baseball is going to recover, they need to recover around superstars. And by superstars, I'm not even talking about being on on field superstars, media superstars, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know who has more who has more potential than a guy that can hit 60 home runs a year. You, you know what? What I think is what I think is amazing is that um, is that by and large, these guys they aren't real media superstars. They can walk around and no one notices. You know. I think a hundred. What's that? Go ahead. A hundred percent. I think yeah. Aaron Judge could walk through the building where we work and not be recognized. Oh yeah, we've I mean, had, I mean a, we've had yeah, we've had pro baseball so. players walk into the halls and you you introduce them to a class and they're like, oh wait, you're so and so. You're just you're showing you're showing you're like, well, you look taller on TV. <laughs> like, there's the guy, and you're like, huh, you just look like a normal. Dude, right? I mean, it's not like basketball players that fill up the room because they do other things. It's just they look like just normal, normal, normal dudes. It's kind of amazing. Okay, Tom, at number five, and this is where it gets uh, again a little bit dicey. You know, a little bit back and forth between sports, and a little bit dicey when we have the intersection of sports and politics. Um, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I believe he's back playing for the Nets. Uh, I think he's played a game after being suspended for eight games. Though I'm not, I'm not entirely clear on the details of what's happening. So, uh, you know, so but but the details to me don't actually matter. And, and, and mm-hmm. so, you know, in some ways, I don't even want to, I don't even want to put you on the line for having a discussion about Kyrie because this is kryptonite, right? This is third right. rail kind of stuff. But I, I felt the need to put him on the list because, you know, Kyrie is the most controversial athlete in America. He was, he has been this for multiple years now. I mean, you know, he started to get some traction with Flat Earth. Then we had the vaccine hesitation or, you know, refusing to take the vaccine. Right. And now he is firmly linked, at least in the public mind, with, with Kanye West. I don't know where this is going to go. He may end up like a, an Enos, you know, an Enos Cantor freedom, right? Who I think has largely been forgotten very quickly after some media appearances, but he may become a pivotal uh, cultural figure. I just don't know. 
So, you know, do you want to, you want to add that or, or do you want to say pass? Well, this, this is another person who made it into Dave Chappelle's Saturday Night Live monologue, right? And About so, Kanye, right? So, and, and, and his, Kanye, yeah, yeah. his joke was, Kanye's in so much trouble, Ky- Kyrie's in trouble, right? And so, it's tr- I mean, it's true. Like, it, it, you're right. It, it is beyond kryptonite. Well, uh, well, Tom, you, what was the what was the old line? Because Chappelle was like, Kanye's in so much trouble they had to publish Irving, which reminded me of like it was like this old kind of college scandal joke, right? Ohio State is so corrupt they had to put Iowa on probation. You know what I mean? Right. I forget what that joke was, but yeah, it's a good. But I mean, it's, it, you're right, and it's and here's the here's what I think is is amazing is that um, you. These athletes, now this, uh, again, it is very, very, parts of this are not controversial at all. He is a controversial person, and he presents these controversial ideas. I am not sure if he's doing this because he wants to be controversial or just because he's he just sort of beyond, beyond it. So he's like, yeah, I can just, I'm just going to say whatever it is that I want to say, which I suppose is, his right, it doesn't make him right, but it, maybe it's his right to be as crazy as he wants to be. But the problem is, let's say for the Nets or whatever else, is that they have a brand to uphold. They have fans that they have to, to treat to a good game. So they don't have the luxury of saying, yeah, you can just be whoever you want to be. You're, you know, he's still representing the organization, the franchise. So they have an obligation to say, dude, like, Chill it here, right? You, I mean, get your get your stuff on straight. So, yeah, I, mean, he's, he, I don't think he's going to stop being controversial. I think yeah. just that's what he is. That's who he is. I don't know if okay. that's what his brand is, but that's who he is. Okay, but fair enough that you know he belongs on the he belongs on the list because if we're talking about how the culture is going to change, he's in the middle of the culture worse. And maybe we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's, that's clear. He's clearly made an impact. Okay, at number four, I've got Serena Williams. What do you think of this one? Uh, I, I like this. I like this. I have not, I have to admit, I have not read, um, I think she's, she put out a uh, book. I have not read the book. Is, is, that, is there a book out? I, I have no idea. No one, that, I don't think I, anyone I, reads books. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's so terrible now. Because I, I, I thought I remembered something about her book, and I was like, oh, I really should read that book. Mostly because I read Andre Agassi's book, which is a terrific oh. book. I, I actually really like I really like books written by tennis players, and so it's kind of a strange thing, I suppose. But I mean, I re- I really do. So I, I I thought she had a book. Um, I her retirement was a big splash. Did she unretire? I think I read something about maybe she's gonna unretire. I don't know if well, you've seen this or not. I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if she's gonna unretire. I mean, she left the reti- the retirement was. Well, I mean, you know, in some ways, maybe the way you put it is, what is she retiring from, right? I mean, what was Serena's job? I mean, Serena's job is almost, and maybe in some ways this is like Michael Jordan. They are now brands, and so maybe the brand doesn't involve to, you know, doesn't involve playing tennis anymore. You know, Oprah doesn't have her daytime talk show anymore, but right. Serena's going to keep doing whatever she does. Part of the reason why I put Serena on the list. Tom, I don't know if you've ever looked at TV ratings for tennis. TV ratings for I've tennis never looked at yeah. are minuscule. 
I mean, they are, mm. they are truly, they are, you know, and again, you know, I'll throw it out an example. They, they, I think they tend to be along the same level as like the Women's College World Series on ESPN. Now that's gotten a lot of attention because they've drawn very decent audiences of, you know, a million or two million folks. But when you realize that, you know, the American population is 330 million and a top tennis match is drawing fewer than, you know, 3 million viewers, Serena becomes fascinating to me because she's a complete media and marketing superstar, right? She's got all sorts of advertising, mm-hmm. you know, Subway and you know, something where she becomes Wonder Woman and it has something to do with, a, you know, it's like one of these terrible ads where you don't know what the product is, but she becomes Wonder Woman and she's hitting tennis balls at a guy in a mall. You know, I mean, she, she's got all this kind of stuff, all this kind of cachet, but I think relatively very few people actually ever watched a complete tennis match that she participated in or won. But I would argue that she's, she's top five American sports brand at this point. Yeah, okay, and probably... Most people listening to this haven't watched a full tennis match in years. I mean, once upon a time, it was the thing to do. I mean, I remember watching uh, McEnroe and Bjorn Borg go at it. No, I mean, I actually do like watching these full matches. Like, you know, Tom, Tom, I could have predicted those were the two names you were going to say. I guess so, right? I mean, no, of course, because you, I mean, because it's the same age, and that was that was the thing. Like, it was the, it was the rivalry. And Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi. I mean, I'm showing where my, you know, where my tennis trends sort but, of but, are. But I think it reveals the fact that you know the media, the way sports media used to be structured, is sports all used to get their time, right? Yeah. There was there was a time where the Indy 500 was the big event of a weekend. There was a time when Wimbledon was center stage in American sports. I think everything is now expanded that there is no time where the world completely turns towards Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. And, and so you don't get that, you know, it, it's not clear to me that we're going to see, it's hard for me to imagine that we're going to see another Serena Williams, like superstar in tennis. And here's, but here's the caveat, unless, I mean, the key almost becomes that Nike has to identify someone, that person mm-hmm. has to be successful, but Nike has to be fully behind them to reach those, that level of cultural impact. That's a really good observation. You're right. It almost as if the star has to be identified beforehand to get the huge marketing dollars behind them that makes them the star. The, the star is the star, at least in some sports, the star isn't that you're amazing on the court or the pitch or whatever it is. It's you're amazing and you also have the backing of you know a billion dollar you know sports marketing uh, you know behemoth behind you. Yeah. yeah. You're you're remarkable. Okay. Number three on this list. Okay, Tom, my favorite. If someone could have this as a favorite item, my okay. favorite salary market, I mean, I'm going very broad, is the NFL quarterback salary market. Oh, yeah, sure. Because I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever. Basically, whenever a decent quarterback comes up for the point of negotiation, it seems like they look at the last deal and essentially give them a few percent for percentage points more. And they do this for essentially, let's say, almost like the top 15 or, 10, or top 20 quarterbacks. So you get guys, you know, it's like you get guys like Derek Carr or uh, Kyler Murray setting, setting records in some respects when it's their turn, when I don't think anyone thinks those guys are top five type 
athletes. Top five quarterbacks. Yeah, no, no, for sure. So who's who's our number list? Who's our who's our number three? So at number three, I've got Lamar Jackson because he has thrown the script out. The, the deal has always been, you know, whoever's next essentially gets something close to maybe a little bit more than the previous guy. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, but what they get for agreeing to that is a little bit of security, right? They get the money a year or two early, but Jackson seems to have said, you know what? Nope. I'm going to hit the open market. So I'm risking my body playing in, you know, 2022. Mm-hmm. So potentially, I think Jackson is going to change the world of the NFL quarterback. And look, NFL, the quarterback is by far the most important position in the NFL. He's going to change how this works. He's going to hit a true open market. Is he going to come up with a salary number that absolutely dwarfs what everyone else has got? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just looked at his, uh, well, and, pulling up and his let, stats right now. And let, me throw this, good, you know? let me throw this out there. I don't put, in terms of my analysis of NFL quarterbacks, I don't have Jackson as a top five guy. I think he's about a top up 10 guy and sort of just around number 10. I don't think he's, I don't think he's Mahomes. I don't think he's Brady. I don't think he's uh, Allen. He's not, he's not any of those guys. Yeah. No, I'm just looking at his stats. Yeah. His stats are, yeah, definitely top 10. Um, I'm looking at him relative to some other quarterbacks. Eh, he might be he might be close to five or six, depending on which rankings you're looking at and which and which which set of statistics you're looking at. But but he's going to blow the market through the roof. I mean, he's just. Uh, I I think that this is a trend that was started by another controversial sports star a couple of years ago, and that is let's skip the big deal and let's go let's let's go for some other let's say uh, smaller deals or maybe like try to put in a huge performance and, and up the ante, you know, and, and Aaron judge actually, even last year, he was on our list earlier, Aaron judge last year turned down a deal with the Yankees. And this is going to turn out to be a, a huge benefit for him because, you know, he's going to get a lot more money than the, well, I'd say a lot more, maybe 10%, 20% more than he was going to get if he had signed a deal last year. Right. So some people are willing to roll the dice on, let's say, some kind of uh, fixed income and say, like, let's, let's take a chance. I was thinking about a um, uh, baseball player a couple of years ago who had, who had skipped some, uh, some long-term deals to make some short-term deals. And um, I mean, it turned out well for him in the pocketbook. He's not a very good person, but it turned out well for him in the pocketbook. Who are you talking about? Nobody in particular. <laughs> <Work up tonight. laughs> okay. These shows can end our, end our careers. My I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I'll uh, I'll pursue that with you afterwards. Okay. Um, number two on my list, uh, another NFL quarterback, Tom Brady. Okay. I, so the I, one list I saw him, Brady was number one, and I don't know. You may have modified. Oh your no! List. Look, no, I I didn't give you my list in 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 order, Tom. So it's like, oh, it, okay. Yeah, okay. I was just I was just putting it together. Okay. So Tom Brady is. Brady's on my list, and you know he's taken some heat uh, this year. You know the team's below five hundred. We're recording on December first, so as of this moment, I think that his team is uh, was five and six. Uh, but you know what? He actually still has some pretty amazing statistics, right? So it's like they're they're kind of turning on him. Of you know he's not getting the job done. He's fourth in the league in yards thrown. He's also got a seven to one interception 
TD to interception ratio, which is the best in the league. There's no, I mean, stats like that, you can't really criticize the guy if you're being serious and sort of digging into it. Now, the fact that Tampa Bay can't seem to score touchdowns, you know, that, that, that might be another issue. But Brady's on the list because, you know, I started this list with Michael Jordan. Right, okay. Tom Brady, to me, is the only guy out there that has the potential cultural impact of Jordan, that he's that gener- that true, you know, a lot of generational stars out there, right? Tom Brady is the generational star. Yeah. You know, he's already got a, what I think, a $300 million post-playing broadcast career deal signed. He kills it on TikTok, apparently. Yeah. He is the, you know, if Jordan was, you know, up until the year 2000, Brady is the guy for, you know, whatever century we're in. Oh, yeah. I think very polarizing. You love him or you hate him. It's kind of, it's interesting. My next door neighbor named his son Brady. Okay, I'm not picking this up. <laughs> so this guy, this is a guy from Boston, is a, he's a good, he's a great guy, he's a good neighbor, and he's such a Brady fan. You know, named his kid Brady, right? And I said, oh, so are you, uh, are, you know, are you watching Tampa Bay? He's like, no, I still, I still got to watch my Patriots, but I love Tom Brady, right? So it's such a polarizing star. You love him, you hate him. People are still, you know, do the whole deflate gate thing, the, you know, all of this stuff, and. He's, uh, people are interested in what's going on with him, right? I mean, they're interested in, you know, oh, he got a divorce or he's not getting a divorce. Is he going to come out of retirement? What's that going to do for his, you know, for, for his family? I mean, that's bananas that people are interested in, you know, what happens to, uh, to, you know, to some NFL players family life. Right. But people are interested. Yeah. Because he's, well, he's an icon. Um, I mean, his wife is a fashion model, and the, the speculation is that you know the, <laughs> that the Buccaneers are five and six because Giselle's actually a witch, and right. she has cursed the Bucks and <laughs> FTX. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's it. That's the one. We just have to write that paper. We have to prove that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what Giselle is. That's right. Voodoo priestess. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Tom, number one on this list, and I'm cheating a little bit on number one, and I'm kind of hoping you can help me out a little bit with it because it's not it's not a sport that I spend a lot of time watching. But at number one, I've got Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Justin DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, and Greg Norman. You know where I'm going with this one? You are. You are. This is uh, this is the controversy of the century. If you're into golf, so this is PGA versus LIV. I don't. I, I, I always say LIV. The, the, well, I think it gets extra confusing. They do call it Live Golf, okay. but it does stand for the Roman numeral. Um, and I, I don't know why the Roman numeral is relevant to what they do, but it came from the Roman numeral. But they decided to spell to you know sound it out like it looks. Huh. I, you know, so I mean, I'm just behind. Like, I, even when we want to hear people say that, I always, I always say LIV. I don't know what. I'm, yeah. Well, what because they, because they didn't tell us, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'll explain a little bit why this is on my list. I, I think Live Golf is. You said it's the biggest story in golf. I think it's actually the biggest story in the world of sports because mm-hmm. I think what this is capturing is this trend towards 
centralization. You know, and we've seen we've seen failed attempts, right? The European Super Soccer League, right? Oh my God, that was like twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know the the idea that because well, and so just as a little bit of background, when you look at let's say the numbers of fans of let, let's take a sport uh, like the NBA. So, what percentage of Americans actually are NBA fans? You know, the NBA Finals most years are probably going to generate. 12, 13 million viewership for the finals. Okay, so it's not it's not a tremendous number. Maybe there's 25 hardcore, 25 million hardcore NBA fans. But there might be 500 million hardcore NBA fans in China. Okay. Right? And so to me live golf is this effort to take these kind of regional sports and turn them into true worldwide sports, something along the lines of the soccer tournament that's going on right now of FIFA. Uh, I tend to think golf was maybe the perfect place to attempt this hmm. because it's populated by stars that you can, you know, by individual stars that you can sign rather than teams that you have to go after. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is this is on trend for where a lot of people want to take this stuff. Um, you got a reaction to that? Hmm. Well, first, my reaction is that your observation is again right on the money. So it seems this is the kind of sport. So I have seen numbers that say uh, that, you know, golf is one of the most popular sports because so many people play it, right? It's like watching it versus playing it. There's a lot more people who play it than watch it. But there's a lot of people who casually watch it, especially these big events, and then go out and try to play it. I mean, it's a, it's a hugely popular participation sport, in, at least in the U.S., and I have to believe other places as well. And yeah, this is this is somebody saying, okay, let's make this a global entertainment event. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And just to go through the names, the, the you know Tiger Woods, Roy, Rory McIlroy, Justin DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, and Greg Norman. I couldn't pick one. Uh, you know, Phil Mickelson was the, the their original sort of brand that they started to collect for this. He also massively stepped in it with some comments about the Saudis and yeah. how the Saudis were still better than the PGA, right? I mean, just tremendously awkward comments. Oh, to set this up, and I didn't mean to really interrupt you. Yeah. So Tiger Woods and is still in the PGA. I mean, he yes. may not okay. play again. And Rory McIlroy is still, he's currently number one in the PGA. Um, the other people you mentioned, Greg Norman is the CEO of Live Golf. Uh, Mickelson is one of their top players. Yeah. Bryson DeChambeau was made a splash in the PGA because of his bulked up size, but he went over to live and you left off the list. Maybe Sergio Garcia, who used to be in the PGA, wow. went over to live as well. My logic for the list was Norman is the CEO and you know has become so controversial that you know it came out today that Tiger says they can't negotiate the PGA and Liv can't negotiate until Norman's gone. That's right. Mickelson was the original kind of figurehead that blew up in terms of the publicity, both positive in terms of generating some and negative. Mm-hmm. DeChambeau is the big prize that Liz, Liv has been able to take. McElroy's the guy that sort of thumbed his nose at Liv. And, and let's be honest, Tiger is the, Tiger's the guy that moves the needle. Right. Yeah. Tiger yeah. is the big prize out there. He doesn't seem to be able to apply, but there are reports that Live Golf offered Tiger half a billion dollars. 
Yeah. Right. So this is, um, but like I said, this is to me, like I'll even, when I, when I look at college football, and again, maybe two sports can't be more different. When I look at college football and I see what the Pac-10 and sorry, what the Big Ten and what the SEC are doing, I just see centralization. I think mm-hmm. this is kind of this is kind of the key. It's like moving away from regional to moving to centralized. And I think we're in agreement on this one. To me, you know, golf might have been the perfect platform. But even even if it was the perfect platform, do you think they're going to pull it off? Seems like they're struggling. Uh, they're struggling to get you know, I mean, players that people want to watch, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, other than other than DeChambeau and um, when because. DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson. I don't. I don't know if Phil Mickelson is, is suing, but I he might be. I know DeChambeau is suing the PGA <laughs> to get back in. That's a that's a bad sign. Where they're like, okay, I'm going to sign with you guys. Oh, but I also want. I want a double dip here, and that is a sign that people say like, well, this this gives me instant gratification. I get you know ten million dollar check. But I don't get to be part of the story chase for the you know the major major yeah. tournaments and titles in the major tournaments. And ultimately, that's how people I think um, rank golfers in terms of oh, how many majors did you win? How many times did you win the Masters? How many times did you win the Open? I mean, because there's other golfers out there that were great. I think there's this guy in Canada who won, I don't know, 57 Canadian Opens or something like this. And nobody knows who he is, as evidenced by the fact that I have no idea who, who, that, who that guy is, right? I think he, he started, like, natural golf or something, right? And But, I mean, why do you care? You don't care because it's, it's you know, Canadian golf versus something else. So it's so important for these stars to have the number of major titles in their pocket so that they can put themselves on that list and rank themselves against other players. So for as much as it's just, it's just, you know, showing pure athleticism, it's also egos. Like where do I fall on that list? And now these stars have sort of isolated themselves. They can, I, I think it's going to be difficult for them to ever get back onto the PGA circuit to so they'll chase that, chase those, those titles. And maybe they just sit chosen money over titles. It's a, uh, seems like it's a battle between um like the pga what they really own is that they own these brands associated with the tournaments the major tournaments right so the pga perhaps one way to look at it is the pga owns the they own the brands that allow the players to create the players brand equity right yeah. and, and so it's uh an interesting and i mean it's interesting in several respects but part of it is you know just how much money might be needed to actually supplant something like the pga who has these intangible assets of the masters and you know the u.s open the british open right and again i'm not sure you know british open may probably not part of the pga i I don't know i don't know how that works but you know the challenges uh you know the the value of these established brand equities is is going to be powerful Sure. Okay, Tom. So that's my top ten list, and so I want to I want to give you the floor now. So Ooh. who did I miss? What did I miss here? Because uh, Tom, I guarantee I missed something. <laughs> you know? Okay, so I mean, I could be getting my years incorrect. Um, so when did when did Simone Biles like sort of make a choice like mental health versus was that last year? Did we have her on our list last year? Olympics. Or, 
Olympics. Olympics, yeah. So last year. Was it, I mean, was it in 20? No. 2021. Okay. Uh, All right. So that, I mean, maybe that still resonates with me. Like maybe, you know, maybe I think she's still a really important uh, person on this, on this list. Oh yeah. We did have her on the list last year. Um, Who else? Well, it could come, it could come into play, right? Because I mean, Osami with with Osaka um, Mm -hmm. was, I think generally, you know, she was probably Nike's, Nike's next big, star in terms of women's tennis but you know she dropped out for for similar reasons uh, look mental health mental health is going to be a, a major impact in sports going forward so i think you're i think you're i think you're in the right place i don't know who the individual is that captures it in this you know in this last year yeah so so um so maybe you left her off the list uh, and so I, I would i would say let's let's we would, i would add her I think last year we had Patrick Mahomes. Um, I don't know if he's making as big of a splash. I mean, he's still still an amazing athlete. I don't know if he's making. I don't know if he's making the same kind of impact that the other people on your list are having. Um, I still I still follow him. Like he's one of the people I follow on Twitter. I think, and so it's like he, I I uh, I just follow him, and I just I just I don't know. He's an interesting character, and so I don't know if he could ever leave that guy off the list right now. I, I think he's, he has a lot of influence. And a lot I think he's following him. You know, he's he's like one of those guys that probably and I suspect this is true. He he almost loses out because he's too consistent, right? He's at that point where yeah. he's uh you know, the Chiefs are winning the uh AFC uh West at the moment. They're probably either the favorite or the co favorite to go to the Super Bowl of the AFC with you know, maybe Buffalo. But it's almost like he he's a given, right? He he's yeah. not the He's probably not attracting as much media attention because, you know, the maybe the more maybe the the easier story to write is these Buffalo Bills fans are crazy and they like to you know jump through tables and their quarterback you know Josh Allen is coming of age but now he's got to get beyond Patrick Mahomes right he Mahomes has gone from the up and comer to the establishment guy. Mm. And I think the only other person, and I'm going to cheat, the only other person I would include on this list would be LeBron Barkley. Okay. Uh, wait, who is LeBron Barkley exactly? Right? LeBron James. You mean, Shaquille? you mean Shaquille Barkley? No, I know. Actually, I mean, I mean LeBron, LeBron Barkley. So LeBron Barkley. So here's, here's why. So I just, I just, so I, I read this little article about Charles Barkley saying that you know, Jordan was his best friend. They haven't talked in 10 years because mm-hmm. he's way too honest. And I mean, Charles Barkley has made himself a very, very good, uh, a good ambassador of basketball. He's, he, I think he understands the game incredibly well. Um, he speaks his mind. Um, I don't think he's a polarizing figure, but I mean, he could piss off people because he definitely speaks his mind. And clearly he, he upset Michael Jordan at some point, probably telling Michael Jordan the truth, right? And so, but I look at LeBron and I think, okay, here's somebody who tries to be very thoughtful in what he's saying. I don't know if it was yesterday who he said, look, you keep asking me about Kyrie, but I mean, why haven't you guys asked me about Jerry Jones? There's a picture of Jerry Jones who was like, um, who, who was petitioning against, you know, desegregation in, in 1957. And LeBron is saying, look, you're, you're asking me about Kyrie. He paid his price. He's back on the he's back on the court. And maybe you're not asking me about Jerry Jones. Like you guys want to know what my stance is as maybe the ambassador of basketball. 
but you only interested in in how, what my stance is on other players. What about as athletes in general or sports in general? And maybe he has learned from Charles Barkley about this is how I should talk about sports. This is how I should talk about cultural events. Uh, and I think Charles Barkley has been very, very open about, you know, his obsession with telling the truth all the time has just created lots of issues with him personally. At least that's what he's revealed recently. Um, and so, I don't know, I really like Charles Barkley. I really like LeBron James. I think that they're, I think that they're thoughtful. And a lot of times you don't have athletes who are actually very thoughtful about what they say. They have to say the first thing that comes to their mind, which is they're right. But I think LeBron and, and Charles Barkley... Maybe they do the opposite. Maybe they stop for a second and say, this is what I'm actually thinking. So I don't know. I would, I would include them in my list. Yeah, I mean, like I can definitely see it. I, I like where your head's at. On, I, I don't know that I would combine it. I mean, you know, Le- LeBron essentially I think can make the list every year. You know, when yeah. you're the biggest star in the NBA and the NBA is the most player-focused league, you almost become an individual. The, the NBA seems destined to almost always be represented by an individual player, right? Right. And, and that is currently... LeBron James. I love the idea of actually, I mean, not to step on your toes, but Barkley and Shaquille, you know, are probably unique at this point in terms of being the least polarizing figures in sports, where the love for, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley seems near universal as far as I can tell. (laughs) It's so funny that you said that, right? I mean, he he just came out, he was talking about how he sold all of his Annie Pretzels place. And he said, I don't know, black people don't like pretzels. And you think like, that's like a really controversial statement. But when Shaquille O'Neal says it, you're like, okay. Like you would know you you owned owned a bunch of pretzel places and nobody was buying pretzels in the neighborhoods you were selling them. So you probably, you probably know better than anybody. And it, and it sounded just like really honest and forthright. Like, "Eh, I gave that up, you know, I like the pizza. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make an addendum to this list, um, and I'm gonna say number eleven is Shaquille Barkley for being the least polarizing uh, figures in in sports at the moment. Because yeah, th- these guys, you're right, they're they're absolutely Teflon. They they're out there having a good time, and they're universally loved. Yeah, very nice. Okay, Tom, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. And, um, you know, we'll do this again before next year, but we'll definitely make this an annual tradition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right after Thanksgiving. It's perfect. Okay. And uh, for the rest of you guys out there, um, you know, the, the article that goes along with the podcast will be at fandomanalytics.com with a lot more content. Thanks. <laughs>